Okay, before we get started today, I'd like to make a quick announcement. Over the last several years, I have spent a lot of time working with investors just like you. Investors who have started their business, got it off the ground, got a little bit of momentum, but just don't know how to scale up from there. They don't know how to take a small business doing a deal here and there and really systemize it and scale it up in a profitable way. I have been helping people for so many years do exactly that. I did it in my own business first, and then I helped other people replicate that success in their business. And my announcement to you is that I am ready to help you do the exact same thing right now. I have developed a program that's called the Seven Figure Investor Blueprint. And it's called that because I wanna take you from wherever you are in your business right now and help you ramp it up into a seven-figure profit business. You can do this. I know you've told yourself that you wanna do it. And for whatever reason, it's just not working out. But I wanna teach you things like how to market, to find the best deals, how to analyze those deals, how to negotiate with sellers and wholesalers to get the best possible deals how to get those deals funded, whether it's private funding, hard money lending, whatever. I wanna help you understand the best way for you to fund those deals, and then how to structure those deals for maximum profit. And then finally, how to build a team around you. You don't have to do everything in your business. And in fact, you shouldn't be doing everything. I don't do everything in my business and it runs really, really well. In fact, it runs better when I'm not trying to do everything. And I wanna teach you exactly how to do that. All you have to do, if this sounds interesting to you, if this sounds like something that you must do in 2022 to reach your goals, go to sevenfigureinvestor.com. That's the word seven, sevenfigureinvestor.com. Sign up. I want to help you this year achieve all of your business goals, but you have to go and sign up first. It's seven, the word seven, figureinvestor.com. I cannot wait to see you inside the program. We are going to do great things this year. I mean, think about it. The reward for doing an absolutely perfect job for a night is that you get to walk off the field and nobody says anything to you. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, thank you for joining me on Just Our Real Estate. I appreciate you being here. If it's your first time, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, welcome back. I've got a good one for you today. I have on the show, Matt Pridemore. Uh, Matt was awarded the 2021 Top 40 Under 40 uh, Furniture Executive by Home Furniture Business. He purchased his first retail store in 2016, and he now owns and operates 13 stores across three different states. Uh, he is a franchise builder, and he started a podcast called Franchise Builder podcast. I was a guest on that. I got to know him a little bit, thought his story was really cool. He has some really good business. He has a good business mind and he has some great business strategies. And he is currently writing a book to help people understand how to go into business for themselves using a franchise. I know this is not a franchise website, but these principles, these um, growth and scale principles, hiring principles, we should be looking at anyone who's doing it successfully as real estate investors. We should be looking 
in our industry and outside of our industry to make sure we're doing the best we can do for our business. And that's exactly why I have Matt on today. Uh, it was a great interview. He's a smart guy and just brought a lot of gold nuggets to the conversation. So I hope you enjoy this. I give you Matt Pridemore. Hey, Matt, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate you being on the show. I was on your show and uh, I'm excited to have you here. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me, Mike. Uh, just the, the camaraderie back and forth of, of all of us learning from each other and, and getting that out to, to everyone else, I think is a, it's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, I agree. I think this is going to be good. It's always fun for me when I uh, get to know somebody a little bit on their show and uh, and then I get to be on their show because it's it's hard sometimes uh, interviewing folks you've never talked to before. You know you have a podcast. Uh, it, it can be challenging at times. And so I, I like to make sure if I can, it's really nice to be able to be on your show and then uh, have you on mine. It gives me a little, little uh, help in the interview process. So thanks again for doing this. I get it. I completely understand. Awesome. Well, first of all, uh, I want to say I, I think you know the business that you're in is different than the business I'm in. And like I, when I was on your show, the the good news is business principles, leading people, understanding how to build cultures, all those things that we do as business owners as we're scaling up is very relevant across many, many industries, right? The the, the right way to, to build a business and treat people and hire people sort of translates. And so I want to dig into a lot of that stuff. But before we do, and I haven't really you know gone deeply into it, but tell folks what business you're in, how you got in that business, and a little bit about your background. Sure. So I currently own uh, 13 retail furniture stores um, across the Southeast. I've got stores in uh, Georgia, Alabama, and uh, Mississippi. And so basically, you know, I, I got into it. My parents had one store and they had that one store for 35 years. They did a phenomenal job with that one store. Um, but I always told them when I was growing up, I'm never going to get into furniture. I'm never going to do what you guys are doing. You know, I, I see you guys working. They, they were, you know, inside the four walls of, of that one store all day, every day. And that's not what I wanted to do. I actually went off and, and umpired pro baseball for 10 years. And so, you know, went, went through that, that whole phase of my life of learning where I wanted to be and what I wanted to be doing. And I, I learned a lot of lessons along the way, being on the field, on the professional baseball field. But then coming back, you know, I, I got injured in, in 2009, got some concussions, things like that. And so it, it was right about then I was, you know, at that time, mid, late 20s. And I said, you know, wh where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And obviously, you know, went back and, and was able to look at their business and my life in a lot different view than when I was 18 and left for umpire school. And so, so many things meant different things to me then uh, after going through the road test that I had been through. And so I, I, I started to dabble with them and in, in their business and I saw some things, I saw what they were doing well. And I, I saw some things that I thought could be improved upon. And so I went and worked for the corporate side that uh, we, we are part of a franchise. We're franchisees. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went to work for the corporate side, the franchisor, and and uh, so I worked for them for five years. Started out as a store manager, moved up to a regional manager, and then bought my first location. Uh, bought my parents' location in 2016, uh, January of 16, and uh, a few months later, it was time to you know I, I kind of felt like hey, it's time to scale. It's time to get another store. So we got 
got another store. Six months later, got a third store. And it seems like about every four to five months is kind of that average for me adding on stores. And I've kind of got that system in my head. And so we're, like I said, we're up to, to 13 stores now um, across the Southeast, having a lot of fun with it and doing really big things in the furniture world. Nice. I, there's no way, and I'm, I was kind of frantically looking back at my notes and some things. I, it's either not here or I am not seeing that you were an umpire for 10 years in the major leagues. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it, 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 extremely cool. I, I do want to, to make sure that, that the, the 10 years it was, was uh, you know, the rise through the minor leagues. It was everything, gotcha. uh, that, okay. you know, as part of uh, part of professional baseball. Fair enough. Um, but it, it was a, a, every bit of that. I don't really put it in, in all of my bios. Uh, you know, a, a few when I first started being guests, uh, I, I put it in there and then, it, you know, it didn't get brought up. And, and so I kind of dropped it off and said, well, if it comes up, it comes up. But I think it's relevant here. Yeah, you, you know, hit the in, right in the podcast. You hit the right podcast because there's no way I'm just going to uh, slide by that one. That's too interesting for me. <laughs> let, let me ask you. Um, okay, so when you were in the minors and in doing that, how? Uh, boy, this is just like so many things. Okay, first of all, you said you got. I'm going to go to the end because I'm curious and it won't it won't get out of my head. You said you got some injuries, some concussions. Are we talking about balls hitting you in the head? Is that like? baseball yes. being thrown yes it, it, it's funny to, to bring this up and, and try to you know recall everything but uh yeah my first one happened um may 10th mother's day sunday day game uh in miami got hit um uh foul ball to the mask i black out i go down and so 2009 if you'll remember was about the time that that all the doctors and the major leagues and the nfl they really started to kind of realize that concussions were way worse than they realized. Um, you had, you had, you know, guys committing suicide. You had, you know, guys that had retired coming back and saying, Hey, this is really bad. This is going to mess with your brain. And so, you know, th those doctors that, that was literally that time frame. And so getting hit in the mask. So I came back after about a month. Um, and I, that, you know, I got another one. Uh, just foul balls, just freak foul balls where, you know, the catcher set up outside for a slider, the, the pitcher missed his spot and, you know, the, the catcher can't get his glove back to the ball fast enough. It's, you know, the ball's going hundred miles an hour. So, you know, a couple of months and I, I get another concussion and they said, look, mm. you get a third concussion and you're going to get released um, because your, your brain never fully heals from that, from, from the very first concussion, you're never going to get back to a hundred percent. And after the second one, you're not going to get back to 90%. And after the third one, you're not going to get back to 80. And they, they started talking about those and that's real life, long-term things. Yeah. And it happened for and, sure. And even now, literally today, uh, you know, uh, memory issues and you know, just long, you know, lasting effects. That, yeah. Um, the, I, I couldn't imagine having tried to stay, uh, on the field. And yeah. actually just yesterday, uh, one of, one of my best friends in the world, I, I interviewed him on my podcast yesterday, uh, Greg Gibson. He's still in the major leagues, uh, number 53. Uh, he's now a crew chief. He's been in 23 years We're we're best friends, but he, you know, we were, we kind of got into some of that about the, the toll that it takes on your body. Mm. And, um, it, it's that, that part is, is not fun at all, but it, it's the reality of sports. Okay. I, I know we're not here to talk about this, but I just want to ask one more question. Cause I just find it super, super fascinating that you were, uh, and up. 
So tell me the worst. I'm sure it happened, especially if you went up through some of the, the minor leagues and stuff. What was the worst time where someone came out in your face, bad call? Like, do you were, did you get many of those? And what, what one sticks out to you? Yeah, it, it, it happens. It, it's kind of funny. Uh, there, there are two that stick out. Uh, one, uh, the fact that I'm, uh, I'm 5'8", I'm a stocky guy, and I've been like that my entire life. And so, actually, in the minor leagues, I, I was uh, up in the Midwest, and you know, manager comes out and just you know goes off on me <laughs> over over uh, some balls and strikes at the plate, and and uh, he's you know, heck, he he's like six five, six six. All these other guys, they're they're really really big dudes, <laughs> and he's standing over me and pointing down, and and he's like, "You shouldn't even be out here. You're not even tall enough to be out here, and you're." You should be in a sandbox playing, and you know, we're, and and so it, you know, obviously he's trying to get personal, but yeah. he wanted to get run, but um, so that you know, there there were there were some of those, and um, I, I've got some some big names that you know I was around and and threw out of games and things like that. Yes, it, it happens, but um, another part to that that a lot of people might not realize is some of that is actually put on. Like, mm. uh, not, not by, not by our side. The other side is that like, when I say put on, they're doing it, they're doing it for their, um, th- for their team. Yeah. They're doing it for, you know, they've got to figure out a way to get their team fired up. Yeah. And the yeah. only way they can get their team fired up is to basically talk down to somebody else. And, uh, so, you know, had a, had a manager come out and I, I had had a really good game balls and strikes. I, I felt like I had not missed a pitch and, um, uh, it, it was manager for one of the, the Astros, uh, guys, he, he comes out, throws his, throws his hat down. I said, what's wrong? And he said, well, nothing's wrong with you, but, but you got to throw me out of this game because my team's playing like crap and, and you just send me to the showers right now. And I'm like, wow. well, you know, throw your hat, throw, throw your hat down. Let's go. You know, da, 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 da. And so, you know, they're, they're, they are, they will do <laughs> anything they can possibly do That's to, funny. um, to, to, you know, to try to get their team fired up. That's, so, that's, so he came out. So my question was going to be, have you ever had anyone pull you aside after the game and say, listen, sorry about that. I just, I had to do something, but this guy yelled at you in where, where it looked like he was yelling about what you were, your calls. And, but he was yelling, get me out of the game. I need you to throw me out. That's hilarious. Cause yes. you always wonder what people and, are saying. And it, and it happened. The, the funniest thing <laughs> is, um, uh, my, uh, so I, I dated a girl while we we were while I was in baseball, and her dad was had been a big league umpire for thirty years, very well known guy, and um, he had so many stories that you know when I got started in the minor leagues on my way up, he was telling me that that guys would would you know come out and, and talk about their team, and I'm like, there's no way that actually happens, and then you know lo and behold, my first year in, it, it literally <laughs> happened, and and that's, uh, that's too funny. It, it happens more than people would realize, but. There, yeah, but I will say the respect factor on the field, people would never realize uh, between players, coaches, umpires, managers, there is a really strong respect factor on the field that if something happened the night before, number one, it's going to be forgotten the next night, like, like it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But at the plate, at the plate meeting, if you see a plate meeting going on in baseball and that plate meeting you know, they exchange the lineup cards. They talk about the ground rules. If that plate meeting goes an extra two or three minutes, the the managers and, and the coaches are kind of, hey man, sorry about last night. Um, and and there there's a mm. there's a back and forth respect 
apology, you know, type thing there. So that that's very that's cool. real. That's and, cool. Uh, that's yeah. cool. So, yeah. all right. I know. So I know. So that, that was the last question, but I have one more quick one. Do you have a hard <laughs> time watching games without going? Oh, come on. That was that wasn't a strike. Like, do you do critique? Man, it is so funny that you asked that. So, my wife is a huge baseball fan, and um, and has been for for a whole life. And it 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 took a good seven or eight years for me to kind of get out of the the umpire. Uh, mindset and and even be able to go to a, a game and watch as a fan because we're you know I we're we're, we're always critiquing ourselves. I can promise you. I'm sure you've heard the names of you know Joe West, some Angel Hernandez, and you know all, all of those guys. And those guys, all every one of them, they are so much harder on themselves when when they you know when they kick a call or something happens. Mm. They are much harder on themselves than any of us ever could be. And I was the same way when I was on the field. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's the toughest job you could ever imagine. But the, and, and, you know, the other side to it is that it, the, the reward, I mean, think about it. The reward for doing an absolutely perfect job for a night <laughs> is that you get to walk off the field and nobody says anything to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so, so I, I'm not, I'm not going to go to a game and critique a guy you know, uh, it, for me sitting in the stands, it, that that would, you know, it would be disrespectful to them because I know they are they're on themselves harder than I could ever be on them. You know, all right. I, I swear this is the last thing I'm going to say, but I, I just think it's funny. So uh, I got married back in 07. My wife's huge, huge uh, Tigers fan. We're, we're in Michigan. And so we, we'd go to a, um, a lot of games. But I always thought it was funny when <laughs> I'm watching it on TV, for example. And it'll be like a strike called and they'll go, Whoa, the batter was not happy with that call. And I, and I go, I, I saw almost nothing. It was imperceptible that he was angry. It's like, he just sort of like looks, turns his head 10 degrees and oh, yeah. looks and it's like, Whoa, he wasn't happy with that call. It's like, I mean, he wasn't that unhappy. He just looked at him, but that's like the thing, right? Like they just yeah, give the, me that the sideways funny thing look. Is, is, yeah. It, it, it's very little nuances. It's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, the, the very, very subtle, um, you know, if, if the catcher doesn't agree with my call, he's going to he's gonna hold the ball in his hand for literally a split second longer, <laughs> you know, as he comes to throw it yeah. back. And, that, and that's, his, that's his way of being disgusted. And if a player is dis- – if a, if a batter is disgusted or they're really upset, they're literally just going to kind of turn their head for just a minute and then shake their head. Happens every time. It, it's funny that you <laughs> pick that up, but – but that, you know, baseball is such a funny sport because there's so many unwritten rules. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. the great, it is the greatest sport on earth. Um, I could sit there and what, because the, these players are, are playing chess with each other back and forth. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I've had pitchers talk to me where they, you know, they, they will, they'll strike a guy out and think they've got, got his number. Like they're always going to strike him out. Well, the player struck out on purpose so that he could come back later in the game and hit a home run because he knows that pitcher is going to throw the same pitch in the ninth inning that he, he struck him out on in the third inning. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to let him strike me out in the third inning so that I can hit a home run in the ninth. It happens. That's it's funny. It's so crazy. That's so funny. All right, yeah. I could interview the whole time about this, but we're going to move on. 
Um, so you you mentioned that you are you are kind of on a pace, or I don't know if you're still like is growth still part of your um, part of the plan right now, or are you okay? So it is. You're not. Yes. So you said you were like on a four to five month pace, and I I I see that right in the numbers. Um, uh, so when you first bought your, I, I wrote this down before we start talking baseball because I wanted to talk about this too. You mentioned that the. Uh, was it the first place you bought? The first store was your parents? Was that is that right? Exactly. exactly. How, how did they yes. feel about that? I'm sure that you went in and made changes of some kind because you saw things you were doing right and wrong. How did that all go down? It's so funny that you asked that question. Great question. So uh, I was working for corporate and I was living in Pensacola. I was living my best life. I mean, you know, I was a regional manager having a great time. And they said, look, if you want to buy this store, you need to go ahead and move back to South Georgia and we will sell you the store, you know, regular value. We're going to value it regularly. You're not getting any kind of family discount. I said, no problem. So I looked at it and I said, yes, this is what I want to do. I want to buy a store. And I told them, you know, look, I, I've got some, some different opinions, just the way I do business, the way I want business done. I've been, you know, I, I was covering 25 stores at that time as a regional manager. And I wanted, I, you know, I, I just saw what works really well, what doesn't work really well. And I wanted to implement it. The funny thing is, is, and when my mom listens to this, I'm sure she'll start laughing now. She wasn't back then, but I came in, I bought the store in December and my mom said, Hey, I want to stay on and, and I'll work. I, I'll do some sales. I said, okay, I, I will let you stay on, but you've got to adapt to my way. And I said, that's not going to be easy. Um, I said, but I'll give you a chance. And so I, you know, that was in the early days of, of uh, the business side of Facebook. And I said, I want to go really hard on social media. I want to get our name out there. We've got to tell our story at a really high level. And for about two months, you know, she was selling and I, I you know, the first quarter came up and I gave her a review and, and she says, uh, Matt, th this just, th this isn't going the way that I think it needs to go. We need to be doing business a different way. And I said, well, I understand. And you were in business for 35 years and you guys did a tremendous job, but we're going to do it this new way. And it, it lasted about three or four months of her being there. And, um, <laughs> you know, we, we, she said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go figure something else out. And she, she went down and, you know, as partner in a, uh, in a travel agency now doing very well. Uh, they have a lot of fun, but, um, you know, it, it was really hard for them to see my vision yeah. and that's okay. I, I, I was not upset at all, but Everybody that is going to be on my team has to understand my vision and, uh, and has to understand my beliefs as well. That's something, you know, I, I'm very strong. I'm making sure that when we are hiring, um, that, that we are talking about our beliefs and our values and how we want things done. And, uh, you know, you've got to do that so early on. You can't let things linger. Yeah, that's a great place to move because I want to talk about that. Hiring is universal. And I think some of the ways that People hired, you know, 20, 30, 40, certainly 50 years ago, totally different than, than I think people are doing it now for a reason, right? Just like a lot of business practices that we had back in the 80s or even 90s um, don't work as well anymore. When it comes to hiring, and I do believe, and I, I want to know your opinion of this too, but I do believe that 
building and scaling and profitability and success are very, very closely tied and very dependent on the people you hire, obviously. We can't do all this ourselves. And so what are some of the practices that you found as this regional manager that you wanted to implement in your business? What are some of these practices you found that work really, really well for hiring now? Great question. And I think that it, a lot of it does go back to when I was a regional manager, because when I was a store manager um, and, and I only had that one location, I only did things my way because, you know, I was the smartest guy in the room every day. And I, you know, I was the front lines. I was, I was right there to watch over it. And the, the lessons that I started to learn when I was a regional manager were I've got store managers that, that I call on that are part of my team but I can't be in every single one of their stores all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I realized in, in listening to them and they were actually, you know, they, they had so many good ideas, things that I had not thought of when I was a store manager um, that, you know, I, I started to realize like, Hey, you've got to make sure that you're on the same page with, with your, with your leaders that are around you at all times. And then that kind of, snowballed into the whole culture thing. And I think, you know, the, the word culture is, has been thrown around for a couple of years now um, and, and being, you know, the way that hiring is going. And I think that was one thing that I went into in 2016 of using that term culture and making sure that anybody that, that came onto my team that wanted to be a part of my team, that, that they understood that culture was going to be a, a big driver and I always say culture will beat culture will eat strategy for lunch every single day. Yeah. And I really, really believe that, that, you know, listening to the people that are around you for any business owner that might be on here now for, for anybody that, that has people that call on them, the people that are, you know, that are on your team, that, that you lead, you lead them, you know, they, you, you're in charge of them. You're in charge of what's going on. But you have to listen to them. It, you know, for me, it's a servant leadership type thing. Of that, that, that communication has to be a two-way communication. It can't be just you always telling them you do this, you do this. And so the, the communication there you know, build, helps to build the culture. And if, if you've got culture, you can do so many things as far as the hiring goes, but making sure that your beliefs align with those people that want to. And it, it's okay. I read my 10 beliefs to anybody that, that is thinking about coming on our team. And there are going to be people that say, you know, I, I don't really align with that. And that's okay. I mean, I, you know, go, yeah. go work anywhere else, but, but it's not going to fit here. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, get, getting those things out in the forefront before you start working, I, I will hire slow, but I will fire quick. So, um, so you, you, you mentioned know. that you mentioned that culture eats strategy all day long. And so I, I want to just clarify, are you saying that a, an average or maybe not a perfect strategy uh, will be a better situation if you have great culture and great people as opposed to having the perfect strategy and bad people. I, I assume that's what you were saying. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I, uh, yeah. And, and so I, I just think the, the culture, um, you know, the, the culture, if you've got an amazing culture, you can overcome so many obstacles that you know, it doesn't matter how good your plan is. If your culture isn't there, it's not going to happen. Yeah, understood. And it sounds like I, I've talked to people and I do this myself. I really, it took me until it was a couple of years ago that I realized when you're hiring people for your team, for your company, that getting an A player 
Well, let me take that back. Getting a superstar at what they do, but sort of toxic individual or bad personality, bad culture, bad values. Like everyone thinks you're going for the rock star performer when in fact I've recently learned over the last few years that getting someone who's maybe a notch or two below the, below that rock star but absolutely fits into the culture of your company and and believes in your values and your company values way more important but where where I'm going with this is I've sort of adopted this almost uh, like I try to get their values out of them I try to give them enough rope when we're talking to 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 kind of um they sort of tell you their values without telling you because the way they answer questions, they tell you. But it sounds like you basically almost or maybe literally or figuratively read them like these are the things that are important in this company. These are the values that we hold dear and and let them react to that. Is that true or did I mishear that? No, so so kind of a two-part piece there. So where where you go with pulling it out of them, I, I, I that's a first step for me. So my my my, my first step is... I like to get, uh, before any kind of interview, I like to get a video from them, uh, you know, just telling me about themselves. Give me 30 seconds. Give me a minute on why you think you would be a good fit for my organization. And let's kind of go from there. And, and let's even see, you know, if, if I think, you know, by listening to your video that, that it's warranted for you to come in, then, you know, hey, when, when you get there as part of the, uh, part of the interview, yeah, t- tell me what a, a you know if if I gave you the weekend off and said, you know, hey, here's here's a couple of hundred bucks, go go enjoy the weekend. Where are you going and what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And you know they're 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 gonna they're gonna tell me and and uh, you know yeah. you're gonna see the big smile on their face. They're you know hey what oh man where would I go where would I go and you know we it's going to dictate where my questions go from yeah. there. Yeah. But if we you know if if we if we get past there then I can get to a point that I can eventually read those beliefs to them and say, all right, it sounds like to me, like you, you know, you, you might align with us, but I just need to make sure, you know, I, I, I want to double check. And it, it's basically me reading back to them, almost like in sales, you know, if, if you're in sales, you're, you're asking questions, you're being consultive of the client or the customer. And part of that is to literally you know, repeat what they've said to you just to make sure you heard it right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and to me, my regurgitation is, all right, so this is what I heard, just making sure this is how you feel and, and this is how we feel. So it's kind of a three-step. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And I think what I found interesting in terms of trying to discover people's like true feelings and true values is, uh, when you normally in an interview situation, you'll you know there's questions that get asked in a lot of interviews, and people become good at interviewing. They be become good at that skill. But what I found is when when you ask them something or ask a question and they answer it with this airtight sort of like really nice answer that's been pre rehearsed. Yep. If you yeah. if you sort of sit there and and let there be a little op- little uncomfortable dead air, or say, "Tell me more about that," <clears throat> you get them off script. You get them outside of their preparation, and that's when a lot of the values come out <laughs> and a lot of their true feelings about things come out. And so, dead air people instinctively, it's human nature. It's uncomfortable, and you try to fill it. 
So you you let them fill it, and oftentimes they'll they'll really tip their hand for the better or worse of who they really are and what they really think. Spot on. I, I like it. And yes, that, that's that's part of my my mo. Yes. So what do you, do you involve? Some people do. Some people don't. And in this interviewing thing, I'm sticking with it because I think it's so critical and it's so important in any industry. Do you let or uh, let or do you require? I don't know how which way to phrase it, but are your employees at that location involved in the interview at all at any stage? Yes, they are. Uh, so I've got three people that I, I consider them my guard, my shield. They. You know, they can tell you what I what I want for dinner and where I'm going to go. And they, they know me <laughs> yeah. top to bottom. I've got three of those people, and those people basically lead the organization with me. And so they have a hand in every single interview that goes on. They know what's going on, but because we are building at such a fast pace overall, um, each store manager is sitting in on those. And for the first couple of interviews. Uh, of hiring, whether it's, you know, warehouse delivery or sales or customer service, those store level interviews that are happening, um, the store manager is there also. And we gradually kind of let them, let them flow into, we want to hear, hear them ask some questions, um, how to ask the questions, you know, those type things. And, and so, yes, we, we, we constantly have to, um, have to make sure that they are involved. That, that's one of my big things for, for scaling and uh, is to make sure that there are other people to, you know, basically duplicate us. So you mentioned sales in there and, and obviously sales is super important. How, when you're looking for a new salesperson or one of your store managers are looking for a new salesperson, how important is it to you that they have experience in, in the furniture industry? Not, I would say... Um, out of the hires I've made over the years, um, it's, it's not, it's not high up on my list as far for, to me, obviously we talk about it. Sales is sales is sales. And, you know, I, I would, I would rather them, you know, customer service. I, I love the service industry. Um, people that have you know worked in restaurants, they understand, you know, what it takes. There, there's going to be really busy times and there's going to be down times and how to feel that time. So, um, Sales, being in sales, I, I like it if they were, but furniture specific, you give me, you know, 30 days, I, I can, I can teach you enough to get you out on the floor to then, you know, to me, training is not something you, you, you did. Um, it's something you constantly do. So we're yeah. constantly training We're we're constantly making sure that we're, we're staying up with the times because training right now is so much different than it was two years ago, especially in the furniture industry because of supply. Yeah. So you know, that training has to constantly happen. And so, you know, as much as we're, we're training on that side, we, we can train someone that, that, that was never even in the industry. Gotcha. That makes sense. And I, and I think that's important. You, you mentioned at the ongoing training, if you have somebody who's really good at what they do and you just sort of set it and forget it and you, there's no up, there's no ongoing support or training or improvement, I think you're just setting yourself up and your company up for a slow decline you know, over the, over time, right? I think people need that and I think that they want that ultimately. So we talked earlier on about like you, you're on this pace. What What is the end goal for you? What does it look like for you? It's actually changing for me. I, you know, when I, when I first got into the business, the end goal 
was more that I wanted to sell these stores off um, to people that had put it, you know, if they've added massive value to my company, then I would want to turn around and be able to figure out a way to sell them a store. Um, and that was really my, my very first goal. But it's kind of, it's evolving and changing literally as we speak that I've realized there, there are a lot of people that just don't want to be business owners. And, and I'm completely okay with that. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, but, but there are leaders there. There are a lot of people that want to lead, but they, they don't want to buy a, a franchise. They don't want to buy a furniture store. They just want to be part of the leadership team. Yeah. So we're just going to, to me, I think we can just keep growing this thing. And the more that we scale, the more that we train, the more that we build the culture, you know, we're, we're building towards that all the time. And I, you know, I, I, to me, business in general is infinite. It's not like a baseball game where, Oh, nine innings. We're, we're done. The, the home team won. It's not like that. That's not what business is. And so for me, what we're doing is infinite, whether it's, you know, my, my children, if they have a, a, you know, a liking to it and they want to put in the time and the effort, I'm not just going to give them say, you know, here you go. Here's a store because, because I had it. That's, you know, recipe for disaster in, in my mind, yeah. but the people that are adding value to, to my organization and to my life, I want to, my end game is to figure out how can I add value back to their life at a, at a really high level. And we're just going to keep this thing churning, you know, and, and, uh, there, there will be more people, you know, like I said, I've, I've got three people in my organization that are kind of my guard, my shield. They're, they're out there on the, you know, on the front lines, mm-hmm. you know, working with the store managers and the store managers are working with the, the warehouse and delivery and customer service and all these guys. And, you know, let's just continue to scale it up and see where it goes. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. business is infinite. So you have no plans to slow down on buying, buying more. Like you're, you're just going to continue to buy until it feels right. Yeah, I, I think there's probably got to be a feeling there somewhere, and I, I would <laughs> like to hear, you know, from your your side, you know, where where you feel like you're at. But from a growth perspective, I feel like if we're not growing, we're dying. Yeah. Um, if we're just sitting there getting comfortable, like there, there, it's kind of funny, you know. I get into some of these stores. And I, my, my favorite stores to get into, I like to go buy the stores from the, the, the single unit owners, kind of like my parents that, you know, maybe they got burnt out, you know, five or six, seven years ago and they didn't know how to get out. They, yeah. they didn't want to buy another store, but they, they weren't sure what to do. So they just decided, Hey, I'm just going to sell my business yeah. and I don't have, I don't have plans to sell the business there. I, I mean, no need to do that, but you know, I love the challenges that come along with going into those stores and maybe changing the culture and changing the marketing and changing the, you know, what the, the, the showroom floor looks like and, you know, just having more people to, to be on board, to do those things with, I think it's just a, a beautiful piece to, to the puzzle. That's awesome. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I, I don't think, yeah, I, I, you know, but, but ask, you know, it, it's kind of funny though, you get to this point when you get to some of these stores where you, um, you're like, you, you kind of, you start to feel like, all right, uh, the waters are smoothing out. We've got this, it's going well. And this, it's going well. And to me, that's kind of a trigger in my head that says, yeah. Hey, you know, it's about time to go get another store. Nice. I like it. Yeah. I mean, you know, certain people, entrepreneurs, obviously a lot of them are, are just builders. Like we're, we're, we're having the most fun when we're building, when we're doing something like that, as opposed to just like the maintenance phase, which for me is, is difficult. I, the, that's literally why some of the people are in my organization. Cause the maintenance phase is, 
It sounds terrible, but I get bored during the maintenance phase. I like to build things. I like to see things grow. Uh, but you know, you know that about yourself, and that's how you do it. So before we go, any any last thoughts? Anything you want to leave people with? Something you want to talk about that you're excited about right now? No, I, I think the biggest thing for me is that I, you know, have gotten into the franchise builder. So I've got my podcast. Uh, I've got my my coaching that I've kind of started getting into. It's just the fulfillment side of me that. You know, there's only so many store. You know how fast I can get my own stores and and build the stores and things like that. It, it, you know, I know there are people out there outside of my network that you know they, they want to get a you know they, they want to get into business. They want to be business owners. It's not a furniture store, but I really feel like I can. You know, I've understood at a at a really high level now. You know how to build the LLCs, how to get the relationships going with the banks. You know, you, you, a lot of the things that, that you're doing. It, you know, with, with understanding that relationships are everything. Yep. Um, but maybe they're, they're outside of my direct network that if I can do anything to help them, uh, the franchise builder, Matt Pridemore, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, uh, you know, Apple podcast, all these different things. Uh, I'm, I'm newer to this whole realm and it's, it's still so weird for me to kind of talk about myself for, you know, sit here for uh, an hour and talk about myself or, or any of those type things, but, but my true fulfillment comes in seeing them, you know, get outside of their comfort zone and, 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 you know, make a leap, take a jump and, and get into business somewhere. And I I really feel like I can kind of, you know, kind of help them, whether it's that they need to go through the SBA and and get some loans, or they need to, uh, you know, they, they need to go to the banks or they, they don't understand what it takes to go for a discovery day uh, at at a corporate arm of, of a franchise. And, you know, everything that, we're, you know, whether it's, you know, the gyms that we're going, the 24 hour fitness or the Monarchy car care or, you know, I, literally anything you can think of, they're, they're yep. franchised out and yep. they, they are, the, the systems are built out for you. And I think that's the, the most important thing to understand is you don't have to start, you know, kind of ground up, so to speak. Yeah. You can jump right in. And, and that's the, the beautiful part for me is, is that I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on that you know, stage now where yeah. I can, I can help others that, that aren't in my network. That makes a lot of sense, man. Go check it out. Franchise builder podcast, Matt Pridemore. Matt has been a total pleasure to have you on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I love, like I said, being on your podcast. So guys, uh, at least go and check that out. You'll see how good of a podcast it is and you'll stay and subscribe and do all that stuff. Uh, Matt's been fun to have you on. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. I sincerely appreciate it. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Matt. Very cool. It was kind of fun to find out that he was an up in the major leagues. I I just love those little like nuggets of information. Uh, But the important thing here is growing and scaling your business is not magic. It's not specific to real estate. It's not specific to any industry. Hiring the right people and growing and scaling profitably is absolutely critical in any business and you can learn and should learn from anybody who's done it successfully anybody who's been able to grow and scale their business successfully is someone that you should be listening to and matt is just such a cool story and i just i love uh his attitude about growth and people and integrity and values and he uses that in his business and you should too so i hope you got a lot out of that interview i enjoyed it personally so uh but listen it all starts with that first store, right? I'm doing air quotes. It all starts with that first step, that first lunge and plunge into your industry. You have to get started. You can't grow without starting. Guys, get out there and get started right now.